welcome to this special podcast. Um, I believe this is an important conversation that we get to have today. Um, COVID has changed so much, has caused us to think carefully and more deeply about many things, but especially the church. And this is a unique time. Um, the church hasn't been able, is not able to gather right now. And, and so the question that we're looking at today is this, what happens when the church cannot gather? I'm Justin, the lead pastor here at Stone Oak Bible Church. And to have this conversation with me, um, I want to introduce Craig, who is our executive pastor here at Stone Oak Bible. Thank you for doing this. You are welcome. Uh, we are, in fact, having this conversation together face-to-face. We're at least six feet away. Six feet away from each other. Craig's at the far end of my table right now, so this is fun. Um, But again, excited for this conversation today, and uh, I want to kind of start right at the foundation. Um, So our question is, what happens when the church can't gather? Well, to even start to answer that question, I think we need to first answer the base question, what is the church? Craig, you want to jump in on sure. that one? <laughs> I think definitions are extremely important um, anytime we're having any conversation um, so that we're, we're all on the same page and have a clear understanding of what it is that we are talking about. Um, so whenever we're talking about the church and COVID, I think it's important that we, we distinguish who is the church. Um, so from, from my perspective, the church is the gathered people of God. Um, I would point towards... Um, Honestly, I'd point towards the beginning of the book of Acts, where the church is officially formed. Um, it is officially formed through the Holy Spirit um, coming down upon the church. Um, a, dis- a specific distinction uh, of the church would be that it is the gathered people of God, uh, which brings up a lot of questions regarding COVID. Um, the reason I have that definition is because whenever I look through Scripture, I look at the church of Jerusalem or uh, the church of Laodicea. These are places, um, and what it is is these are the gathered places of, of where these individual uh, churches meet. There's yeah. also, though, the universal church. Um, we, we say in the Apostles' Creed, the Holy Catholic Church. Yeah. Catholic not in form of religion, but Catholic meaning um, the universal uh, and so there is the, the conversation we're having is both the little C and the big C discussion of the local church. How does COVID affect the local church? And I think um, there's implications for us as Stone Oak Bible, as a local church. But then there's also how does COVID affect the, the universal church, the churches yeah. um, as across the world? And uh, we're speaking specifically from our context here in San Antonio, Texas. Um, while we also understand that COVID affects the, the global church in a very different way than it does affect us as kind of the church of the West right now. Yeah. And I'm glad you used the word, you know, gather. I mean, even thinking of the word church in the new Testament, the ecclesia meaning assembly or, or gathering. And, and I, the thing that sticks out to me from this, that I think is really important is the, the idea of church is not a highly individualistic thing. It's, it's not a me, myself, my Bible, my Jesus kind of, kind of thing. And it's, it's a collective. And, and so the thing that sticks out to me is just this idea that you are not the church. We are the church. And I think that's really important to understand that the P that the church is the people of God collected or assembled or or gathered whichever word um that you use there and and the reality is the church is it's not a building um and i'll even give you it's much more than a gathering but it's it's not less than that and i think it's important to to realize that to honestly to push against some tendencies we have to make church kind of whatever I want it to be or individualistic or consumeristic, it it kind of pushes against all of that and reminds us that it's about us being called into a people 
being placed together as as a people and and for me that means gathering is essential and um you know from that though Craig you mentioned that covid makes us a little tough um because gathering in the in the sense of face to face gathering is just not possible yeah. so what do we do with this? And let me just ask the nasty question here as our virtual gatherings that we're doing, the Zoom meetings, the um, you know, online services, are the what are those? Do those count? I'll just say that. Do they count? Yeah, absolutely they count. Um, because I think anytime we gather together, any any form of it I think counts. Um, let me take a step back going to what what you were talking about with um, the whole and the church is, is comprised of individuals, but it's not necessarily only individuals. I think of um, just Paul in his writings many times compares um, the individuals to the body. Um, and I think within the, the local context of the church, we are comprised of individuals um, in order for us to be made up of individuals. Um, so there is that aspect of the church that is um, individuals all being unique and all being different, um, having unique uh, experiences as well as um, the giftings of the spirit all coming together to create the body. Yeah. Um, so, so with that, what what is gathering right now? So for us as a local context, uh, we've chosen to go online uh, with everything. So our Sunday mornings, uh, we are going online. We are broadcasting a video feed. Um, and then we have a kind of chat function. You can't see anybody, but you can interact through just typing. Um, all of our community groups are now done through yep. uh, Zoom is what we've chosen to use, which is an online platform to where you can see uh, each other through video conferencing. Uh, so even, I think as elders, we've moved everything to online as well. Yep. Um, so our elder meetings used to be uh, centered around dining room tables, and now they're they're all from <laughs> individual rooms um, accomplished through through Zoom. Um, so, kind of to answer the question, what are they? <laughs> they're, they're not the gathered church. I'll say that they are individuals of the church gathering <laughs> but in a different uh, form uh-huh. it's it's not it's not a face-to-face format and it feels different and it feels weird um it, it's what we have right now it's it's definitely not complete yeah but it's better than nothing i'll say that it is it's not a replacement no i heard somebody mention it, it was not it's not that it's a substitute but that it's a supplement yeah and i really like that idea of what we do through kind of zoom uh, let me take community groups. What we do through Zoom community groups, it's not a replacement for community groups. Yeah. Um, but it's a supplement. It's it's better than us not meeting together at all. It's definitely better. I don't know if you've ever been on a conference call. They're absolutely terrible. <laughs> Whenever someone clicks in, hey, who is it? And you have no idea until they actually <laughs> speak. At least with Zoom, you get like the video prompt or the name even before Grateful somebody actually. Yeah, me too. <laughs> Before somebody actually speaks. Um, so Zoom is a, a great tool, uh, but it's not a replacement for face-to-face. Um, even just doing this podcast with you right now, we could have done this in a digital format. But the way that I interact with you and you interact with me by yeah. seeing each other is very different um, than if we would have done this over the phone Or if we would have done this even over a digital format such as Zoom, there is something to people just seeing people and and gathering together that creates a a different uh, feeling as well as a different conversation. Yeah. And there's, along with that, just the idea of it not being a replacement, there is just something that you cannot you just can't replace. I mean, there, there are certain things that you just cannot replicate online and now having said that i think the online stuff that we are doing the online stuff that churches across our community and nation world are doing right now i think they do have their place and and i think the big thing for us just speaking specifically to stone oak bible 
the thing that excites me is it's an opportunity for encouragement in this time because we're so isolated. We are, um, honestly, I think now, I mean, we're several weeks in over a month and a half into this and the opportunity that we have to just weekly encourage each other and, you know, to, to be able to offer, it's not like Craig, you were saying that with the community groups, it's not like it's a replacement for, but it's, it, it's a, it's community in a sense. It's, it's Absolutely knowing you're is. not alone. And, you know, we, we choose in our, in our, in our weekend service videos to, um, to have a chat function for that reason, so that our people can, it can at least engage. And we, we choose to do things like sing. And I think it's, yeah. I think it's beautiful because well, it's, it's also the reason that we have the, the specific online platform that we do. Yes. Yeah. So in that first week, um, like many churches, <laughs> we, we didn't know what we were doing. Um, as well as we didn't have much time. No. Uh, we, we found out, I want to say it was like a Tuesday or a Wednesday. We figured it was coming down the pipeline that, yep. so we meet at a public school systems, middle school. And as soon as they closed down, we figured that they were closing coming. us down. <laughs> um, and sure enough, we got the, the phone call later on that. Uh, it was actually Friday night that I got the phone call. Um, so we knew that it was coming. Uh, but the reason that we went with the specific platform that we did instead of having multiple platforms, there's churches yeah. out there right now that are doing Facebook, they're doing YouTube Live, they're doing Vimeo Live, uh, they're doing the church online platform that we're doing. There's drive-in bunch, church. Yeah, and- drive-in church. Or um, even... Uh, just, I'm going to send you a text message that has the video, uh, part of it. There's tons of different options for us as a church. We wanted to, as best we could gather. And so the way that we decided to do that was by choosing one platform and making that one platform our, our, this is where we go. Um, it's, it's the best way that we can gather. Yep. While not gathering, while not gathering, and you know what we choose to do in that in that with that service, I think for me, just pastorally, is is for the purpose of encouragement. I mean, the the gospel that is sung in the songs that that are sung on there um, to the the preaching. It's just it's done to encourage us. It's not done to replace. And and uh, you know, I want to get into this a little bit later, but this this virtual gathering that we're doing i think is the supplement for right now um and it's and it's and it's good it's making the best of what we have um to do right now if you would have asked yourself or asked me two (laughs) months ago hey would you consider a an online community group not a chance not a chance (laughs) If, if if you would have said hey so-and-so needs some encouragement right now. Would you say, okay, well, let's shoot them a text message or let's give them a phone call? Probably not. Yeah, it probably would have yeah. been, hey, maybe a phone call, yeah. but it's probably, let's schedule a meeting. Yeah. But where we're at right now, it's absolutely. <laughs> this is this is some of the, the best tools that we have available to us. And praise God that this happened in 2020 and not 2002. Absolutely. Absolutely. It would have been very different. If we were 10 years ago, even in, in 2010, yeah, technology has come along so, so far that uh, we now have access to mm-hmm. to move things to a digital format. One of my favorite things, by the way, was on the first Sunday um, that most people were going digital, we pretty much broke the internet. It did. Because yeah. every church began to stream online, <laughs> just the amount of bandwidth. Uh, Facebook was not working correctly. All of the online Uh-oh. platforms were not working correctly. The uh, church which, broke the internet. Yeah, which shows, man, the church was was greater <laughs> than I think the internet thought we were. I I would agree with that. You know, thinking of 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 how COVID nineteen has changed so much. I mean, on an individual level, I mean, we all are now homeschoolers. We all are now working from home. Like it's just it's changed a lot. Um, it has changed a lot for the church as well. And, you know, in this time, I think it's important to ask a couple questions through this time where things have changed. What are the things that the church that we should be doing? And the flip side of that question is, are there things that the church right now 
should not be doing, should stop doing, should should just not be doing in this time. Um, as I think about that and as I've been processing that, I think there's a few things that no matter how extreme COVID gets, it doesn't change for the church. Um, you know, for me, I think of a couple things right off the top of my head. One is mission. So right now, our mission as the church has not stopped. In fact, it's probably, I mean, wouldn't you say that like one of the greatest opportunities for mission right now yeah, for the church? Absolutely. I mean, it just, our mission has not in any way um, stopped through this. And I think kind of the flip side of that, not only the mission to to our community out there, but I think caring for each other as the church again that has not stopped and and again i will make the argument it's probably now is the time the greatest need for doing that right yeah, now absolutely um those things haven't stopped and i think the church should be you know in this time when everything's being turned on its head those are consistent <laughs> those yeah. are stable yeah. uh mission and caring for each other um they're just stable through that. So thinking through just our Sunday online, our, our service, if we want to call it that, um, <laughs> previously on a normal Sunday morning, how much time um, would a, a typical service be for us as a church? So you're talking just service time, right? Yeah, yeah. Just, just service, service time. time. We are um, 70 minutes-ish. Okay. So we used to be 70 minutes and Depending now... Depending on how long the pastor preaches. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and and now, how long are we? We are right around 40, maybe even under the under that. Okay, so we've, we've cut it about in half. Yes. Overall. Again, depending on how long that preacher preaches. Absolutely. You know. And so with our Sunday format, we have half the time... So with that, what makes the cut and what doesn't and why? <laughs> why are we choosing to, to do the things that we are doing in our 35, 40 minutes yeah. in, instead of doing other things? That's a, that's a good question. Um, you know, because there are certain things that I miss deeply. Yeah. Like? Communion. Okay. Baptism. Okay. Those two things just jump, and then just coffee fellowship bar. and coffee. Well, coffee, I laugh at that. Um, I'll never laugh at coffee, but I, I it is fellowship. It's being Absolutely. able to to just be together. So I miss those things, and we can't do them, or we're choosing for gathering. We can't do them, Correct. right? But for communion, for baptism, they have we haven't done them yeah. since COVID hit, and. You know, honestly, just in all transparency, it's been one of the things that our people have asked me the most about as a pastor as uh, specifically communion. So just for some context here, uh, at Stone Oak Bible, we, we, um, we take communion weekly. So it's in our weekly rhythm as a church to remember Christ in communion. It's weekly for us. And Why so, weekly? Why do we do this weekly? We do it weekly because one, just it is an opportunity for us, no matter what the service holds, no matter what the week has held, for us to be able to pause and and remember the gospel, remember Jesus. It's like yeah. a, it is in our weekly rhythm to pause and and remember and to examine ourselves and and more than that, we kind of link arms with with thousands of years of church history who have done the same thing that Absolutely. when they when they come together they they pause they they reflect as the scripture says to do and then they remember Jesus and, and proclaim him until he comes and i think that's really powerful and for us we're we're used to doing it weekly yeah and so right now it's been 7 weeks uh yeah i think so Right as we're recording this right now, seven weeks that we have not remembered um, Jesus through communion. Yes, be careful how you say yeah. that. <laughs> it's not that we haven't remembered Jesus; we have not uh, taken the Lord's Supper together. And yeah. that—what's the theological word for this? Stinks. It just yeah, absolutely. It, I mourn that. And um, one of the questions we get is why. 
Why mm -hmm. not? And, um, you know, we met together, the elders here at our, at our church, we met and, and just in all honesty, we, we saw things, um, in, a, in many ways, we saw things the same. We, there was alignment, but there were yeah. some differences in how we viewed specifically Absolutely. communion is if we should take it or should we not. You know, but one of the things that we come back to and, and the reasoning for us not taking it right now is wisdom in the sense of, and caution in the sense of, um, I know that scripture the Bible does not command us as the church, like thou shalt take the Lord's Supper weekly. Like we don't have a time commandment that, that yeah. Jesus gives us for, that scripture gives us for, for communion. But we do have this command that when we take it, that we watch the manner by which we take it. And there's a, there's a sense that we as elders have kind of, although some of us can make the argument for taking it in an online mm -hmm. Um, way, we have chosen collectively, um, unanimously to just say, hey, since the Lord has not commanded us to take it weekly, why not as a church body um, err on the side of, for the sake of wisdom, wait? Yeah. Um, and, you know, there's, a, there's another element to this too of just our ability as elders to kind of guard the table and, mm -hmm. um, and we want to take that seriously. And so for the sake of, of that and wisdom and guarding the table, we have decided to wait. Now we have decided to wait, not in joy and yes, we're waiting. No, yeah, we all mourn the fact that we're, we're not, um, we're not taking communion through this time. It's a hard decision. <laughs> yeah, and I, th I think the questions that we received came out of, of good places, absolutely. Mm -hmm. um, it, because as I did, you can go onto to Facebook now any Sunday and see so many different versions, if you will, yeah. of the church, of, of how they choose to communicate, yeah. uh, of the things that they hold as dear. Um, and there are a lot of churches that are choosing to to take of communion yeah um i think some of them do it extremely well yeah others though i'm, I'm fearful and the lack of um, reverence yeah maybe? reverence i think is a good word like the the whole doritos and gatorade yeah communion yeah uh, of the idea of just grab whatever you have yeah um and utilize it within just the idea of, of church history with uh communion Many, I'm sure, in San Antonio, being a predominantly Catholic yes. um, background, yeah. known as the Eucharist, yeah. um, and these, the idea of communion with the transubstantiation that um, the body of Christ in communion, the the juice or the wine, physically um, comes to be Christ's blood, mm -hmm. and the the cracker or the bread physically comes to be His body. Um, just that idea of communion, um, I do not believe, is, is a biblical idea of communion. Um, we would call it a sacrament or an ordinance. And the, the idea of ordinance, meaning there is an order to it. There right. is a specific way that we are told to partake of communion. Yeah. The text specifically says it's the, the fruit of the vine. Uh, whether you want to call that wine or grape juice, we can have a debate over that. Uh, <laughs> but there is a specific drink, if you will, uh, that is part of communion. I think how we take communion matters. And I, I desire, yeah. as everybody else does, I think, to take communion. Um, but I think we, we are in a season where we are waiting. Yeah. Um, going back to just kind of the definition of the church that, that I laid out at the beginning, the gathered people, one of the things that we as elders talk through is um, what happens in the future where we're expecting some of the um, parameters of gathering to start to be lifted. Yeah. Um, and it'll probably be our assumption is reverse of, of how they were restricted. So the smaller gatherings will probably be coming first. And if a community group comes together, can they partake of communion? Um, so the elders still have some work to do yeah. on, on talking through and figuring out um, 
the just the biblical stance that we have regarding things such as communion. Yeah, and I think just as a general kind of thought behind this, in our in our desire to take communion, in our desire to meet again, in our desire to gather, um, there's a real there's a real potential that we kind of in our desire to do it, we sacrifice what it really is. We cheapen yeah. it. We, we make it less in order to do it now. And, and I think that although that might have some short term, you know, it's good short term, maybe it's, it's not long term. It, it mm-hmm. cheapens it long term. And, and, you know, there is a reality here too, that just pastorally that Hebrews tells me that, that as an elder, that we're going to stand before the Lord, give an account um, for his flock that he has entrusted us to shepherd, right? Yeah. And there's a weight to that that absolutely there is that I want to take extremely serious in this. I always want to take it serious, but in this time of COVID specifically, I want to make sure that what we're doing is is honoring to the Lord in every way. Mm-hmm. And I know there's grace here, and I know there's some gray here. Um, but I don't, I don't view this as um, as sinful to wait, and so yeah. to err on that side is is kind of where where I feel most at peace, if you will, on yeah. that. But there's like like you were saying, there's you know when groups meet together, as we open it back up, there's still work that needs to be done in this. Um, you know another side to this is we were going to celebrate baptisms on Easter. Yes. That didn't happen. Um, and we, we started to ask the question, well, you know, why could we not baptize over video? Right. Um, and for me, I mean, just personally, I think baptism is a little easier than communion. Why is that? Um, for me with, with baptism, um, unless it's a, you know, a, kid in the house being baptized by parents Mm -hmm. um for me to baptize or for anyone to baptize anyone um you it's impossible with social distancing to do that and you're getting in a communal water and there's just a lot of things that cut like logistically that come along with this um that it's just it would be hard logistically to do a baptism absolutely beyond that though um you know the question is if someone were to come up to me right now and say, I have to get baptized this weekend. My question is, you know, very lovingly, why? (laughs) Why in a sense of, of we don't believe scripture says that it is going to, that, that baptism is salvific in any way. doesn't save us. Doesn't make us, you know, better in the Lord's in, in God's eyes. And so my question is, since it is not, salvific mm-hmm. um why would we not wait until the church is gathered again to celebrate um to celebrate christ's work in their life through baptism i mean for me baptism is easier because it is an outright celebration outward proclamation of an inward reality. And if no one is there, <laughs> I think we're robbing um, us as the church uh, collected to to yeah. be able to celebrate that in, yeah, in a sense. Um, I'd agree. But it is, it is heartbreaking uh, that we weren't able to baptize on Easter. It's yeah. the first Easter we haven't had a baptism. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's probably the first Easter of my life that I didn't go to, you know, a physical church. Yeah, um, it definitely is for me. That was weird. Um, it's very weird. <laughs> that was, oh my goodness. So looking back at our, at our actual service that we have digitally, um, what are the elements of a service that we currently have? What What are we doing yeah. together? Um, we are, these are big buckets, but singing. Okay. Um we are singing songs that proclaim the gospel over us, that that proclaim the truths of uh, the scripture that will be preached and and just the truth of the gospel. So we sing. And, and one of the things I love about this, and I debated about singing, honestly, yeah. because one of the things I love about the church, we're a singing church. Yeah. And uh, 
the, the, the joy of the church singing is not to be sung at, it's to sing with. And we honestly, through this venue, don't get the full joy of singing Absolutely. with. And so uh, my family sings together. So there is a togetherness uh, in, in many cases, but it's not the same. Not at all. And my, my uh, question when we first started is, should we have singing? Because mm-hmm. it's going to be more of a singing to than a singing with. And it's kind of similar to, to baptism that you were just talking about. The, yes. The outward expression of singing. Yes. Through a, a digital format like this is almost lost. It's different and it's lost. It and, and, and I will make the argument that it is lost in the yeah. sense that the true sense of gathering as the church singing together, we don't experience that through a digital platform. But the reason we included it is because singing has a way of making gospel truths memorable. Yeah, and um, I've said this before, but no one goes and quotes my my sermon in the shower. But I would assume, well, you shouldn't, but I would assume that if some do, people... please email us and please <laughs> let us know this. I would assume that some people do sing the truths that we sing in the shower. And what I mean by this is that it is sticky when we mm-hmm. sing it. So we decide <laughs> to sing for the purpose of encouragement, edification, and the gospel um, we also preach. Uh, we don't want to lose that. We want to stay rallied around God's word. That's we're a people of the word, and we want to um, come around it for encouragement, for to be challenged, to be changed, and and so we sing, we preach, um, we read scripture, okay. um, and I think those are the big buckets. Okay. Let me hit preaching real fast. Um, so we typically walk through books of the Bible yeah. whenever we do preach. Uh, a lot of churches have done a pivot um, in the midst yep. of, of COVID and have not necessarily... Some have gone topical. Yeah. Um, others have just switched what they were doing. Um, what, what are we doing and is it the same as what we were doing before? And so, tell me the, just the thought process behind that. Overall, I think it's uh, pretty close to the same. I, I I don't think I'm the most creative when it comes to topical <laughs> sermon planning here. Yeah. Um, but we, uh, for example, we're preaching through Romans, and before COVID hit, we were in Romans, and after COVID hit, we're in Romans still. And it so that part hasn't changed. We haven't okay. pivoted. We haven't changed. I think one of the reasons why is we want to stay true to who we are, yeah. kind of our identity. We don't want to lose um, lose ourselves in this moment. And um, But having said that, some things have changed because I'll, I'll just call out the obvious. I'm not preaching to a room full of people who are breathing and responding and who are there. I'm I am preaching to a camera in a very different setting. It's different. And so although the general, the the big direction hasn't changed, Mm -hmm. I think our execution has to change. We have to modify it for a video. Um, You know, at first, I think the first couple weeks, what that meant is I was pretty short. I, I think I was preaching 10 minutes and that's not normal for like introduction. For yeah, you. that's not normal for me. Um, but since then I've, I've kind of expanded and grown it back out a little bit. And I think we're finding kind of a sweet spot in this. Um, because, you know, I'm fully aware that, you know, for many of our people, they're gathered on their couches with their kids and, yeah. you know, watching a, a sermon on video that's, you know, 45 minutes is, tough on the families that yeah, are watching. Absolutely. And so we want to know, we know that. And so I've tried to really tighten things down where if, if I was going to preach eight verses, I made the decision, Hey, I'm going to preach four verses mm-hmm. and just to allow that time. And so we have modified some, but not the main direction, I would say. Okay. Um, cause again, I think it all goes back to, you don't want to lose who you are in the midst of, of this change who you are and become something you're not through, through this. So we want to hold to those things. Um, Absolutely. And one of the things that I've enjoyed so much is as we've gone through um, the book of Romans, so we haven't even changed what chapter we're in, what verse we're in. Um, It has been just so relevant to to COVID even um, to where I think we could have, have switched and 
um, talked about issues relative to COVID, such as fear and anxiety. Yeah. Um, or, or things along that nature that would be, um, I'd say more applicable, but more applicable to, mm -hmm. to kind of where we're at yet, as we've been walking through the book of Romans, that has been just from, from my perspective, so applicable for where I am in the midst of what is going around around me. I would agree with that. And I love the way God does that in his word. Um, this is off topic, but I remember when the Obergefell decision happened, mm -hmm. um, we were preaching in first Corinthians yeah. just so happened. And, you know, looking back at the way God, and that's not the only time, but God in his sovereignty will, will make his word just come alive in those moments. And he has guided us. And, and so, um, I'm fully confident that he will continue to do that in, in this, um, yeah. which is big. Well, I want to, I want to turn a corner here a little bit. Um, well, before we do, I, I do want to say yeah. this with all that we just discussed and what we're doing and not doing, um, you know, there is a, there is a reality here that this is uncharted waters and uncharted territory that we're stepping mm -hmm. into. And with all of this, I think the cry of my heart is be faithful with what the Lord has put in, in, in our path. Yeah. And, um, I think there's an element of this, especially as we start re stepping into society and trying to become normal again, when, th when that happens, this is a time when we just need the Lord to walk with us and give us wisdom. And I think churches are are walking in that and trying to figure out what that looks like. And, and yeah. so through this, I think my prayer is that the Lord would just provide that wisdom. We need his wisdom. We always need his wisdom, but, um, we need his wisdom through this time. Absolutely. Um, you know, shifting gears a little bit, there has been one issue that has been kind of at the forefront of this that I didn't want to not talk about. It's a bit of a sticky one, and it's this idea of the church and government. So yeah. if you would have told me uh, months ago um, that the government was going to tell me that we cannot meet, <laughs> I wouldn't have believed you. I, I honestly wouldn't have believed you. Um, but here we are in a moment where the government has told us that we cannot meet as the church. What should the church's response be to that? Well, I think you've set up a poor question. <laughs> I did it on I purpose. <laughs> I, I don't believe that the government has told us, the church, that we cannot meet. Yes. The government has told gatherings that they cannot gather. Yeah. Um, and I think there's a big distinction between those things. Um, because just constitutionally, the, the government cannot tell the church that it cannot gather. Right. Um, and even in the midst of this, uh, we live in the great state of Texas, um, to where our, our governor has actually, uh, made it public that the, uh, restrictions on gathering, um, do not include worship centers. Yep. Um, so they're, they're very specific in that, that they are still having a separation between church and government. Um, however... If I think if we just had an honest conversation uh, with Governor Abbott, I'm sure he would say, yes, this is not designed for the church, but this is designed for the church as well, because we are a gathering body. Yeah. Um, so it, it comes down to, I think what you said is wisdom mm -hmm. of, of in the midst of this, uh, because technically we can meet right now. Um, we can meet beginning today. Is it wise for us to meet though? is the bigger question, um, especially as we, we look around just within the city of San Antonio. Um, businesses as of today are not opening completely. Um, the social restrictions are still in place. The you have to wear a mask are still in place. The um, six feet of space are, are still in place. Um, so I think it's it's unwise for us in, in our current circumstances. Now this could change it any moment, any day, uh, but in our current circumstances to, to meet together, I think is, is unwise. Yeah. And maybe, you know, could make the argument too unloving. Um, yeah. 
I want to be very careful when I say this because with COVID, we don't know all the ins and outs of this, you know, virus. We don't know. I mean, we think we know sometimes we don't. And, and at the end of the day though, with what we do know, the question is how do we love God and love our neighbor well Mm -hmm. through this time? And, and honestly, I come back to that in, in, when you think of gathering and not gathering, I come back to that of what does love require of me to do for my neighbor. And the last thing I want is for the church to be the ones that are saying, you know, forget it. I don't care if it's contagious. I don't care if we're adding to the problem. I don't care if we're hurting our people. I don't care if we're hurting our community. We're going to meet. I don't want, I don't think that that is a, a, a good representation of, of the gospel in our community. Yeah. I, I don't think that that is a loving response to our neighbor mm-hmm. through this. And, um, because of that, it kind of, it leads me to pull back and, and ask the question of what would loving our neighbor, loving our community look like through this? What does wisdom look like through this? And, yeah. you know, one thing you said, Craig is big is I think the, the idea of, if this ever shifts from general to specific with the church. So yeah, absolutely. If, um, if I right now it's a general, general principle that says, Hey, uh, gatherings, assemblies, don't gather or assemble for the sake of, of controlling the spread of this virus, mm-hmm. especially, I'm just going to be clear here for the sake of those who are vulnerable. Yeah. Um, don't gather right now. Um, it's a general command, but if it ever turned the corner and it became, Hey, churches, you're not allowed. <laughs> yeah. I would have a different, different tone, a different Absolutely. perspective right now. Absolutely. Right now we're dealing with a general applicable principle for all of our, all mm-hmm. of the community. We are not being targeted. Yeah. Um, in fact, I would say we, it's even, the pendulum swung all the way to where not only are we not being targeted, but our governor is providing special provisions for, um, just to be, uh, completely, uh, above board on that. Mm -hmm. And so because of this, I think we have to ask the question, is it wise, um, to meet? And right now I can say with a good conscience, it's not wise to meet right now. Yeah. I think there's also an assumption that once restrictions are removed as far as gathering sizes, uh, that everything will be back to normal. I don't foresee that happening. Yeah, talk about um, that a little bit. I, I think, so this is just my, my assumptions. Um, I'm assuming that as the restrictions are released, that it will be it, it, the exact opposite of how they were uh, kind of put into place. So yeah. I'm expecting instead of having gatherings of five or less, it'll go to gatherings of 20 or less and then gatherings of 50 or less. And then uh, probably I would guess a 150 or 200 or less, and then probably a thousand or less and it'll stair step it up within each of these though, as, as it is released, um, the, the precautionary measures though, I'm assuming are still going to be in place. The six feet, the, the face feet, covering, the, the mask yeah. aspect of it, the frequent hand washing, which you should be doing anyways, um, <laughs> will still be in effect. And the reason I say that is because if I look at the business perspective, right? Um, within businesses. So just take, uh, last Friday, April 24th, um, they actually allowed certain businesses to do retail to go. So retail has opened, if you will, Mm -hmm. but how they do that is so incredibly different than how they were doing it. And it'll be similar with my expectations, my assumption, it'll be similar with how we gather as a church. So absolutely our church size of, let's say we're 150. So let's say they allow any organization less than 200 people to meet together. Great. That sounds awesome. Let's, let's get together as the church, even though we can still meet together as the church it's not going to feel the same yeah. because we're still going to have our masks on. We're still going to have six feet of difference. No hugging space, no hugging, no shaking of hands. Children's ministry. Children's oh my ministry. Goodness. Yeah. Yeah. We, we had that discussion last week 
uh, try to keep two children six feet apart. Yeah, that's not Now happening. imagine you have 50 kids and try to keep them all six feet apart. Yeah. Well, even just thinking through, so where we currently meet at is in a middle school cafetorium. If we have six feet of distance between every single family unit, we can't fit anymore. We don't fit anymore. Yeah. Inside of, of that location. Yep. Um, so it, it's not, Hey, everything's open. It's going to be like it was. It's not. Yeah. It's, it's my assumption is that it's going to be very different. And I think it's going to leave us with the sense of longing still Yeah, of we can gather, but we're not quite complete yet. Oh, I'm glad you said this because I think this is one of the most important messages of this entire conversation uh, because it deals with what's happening next and, Mm -hmm. and expectations for what's next. Because the reality is I cannot wait until we can gather again. I cannot wait. I agree. In that first week though, (laughs) I think, you know, we obviously don't know the future, but I can, I can, um, say with some level of confidence that it's not going to be just all out the same, you know? And, um, to go in with that expectation, I think is healthy because we are going to proceed with wisdom through this. And my desire to gather again as the church is not going to override that, that wisdom that we need to walk in when we gather. Um, the last thing I want is to, to see someone that we, you know, that gets sick or spreads in our, in our church that, you know, just in our attempt to get back to the way things were, we put people in danger. I don't Mm -hmm. want that. And, um, I think it's important. We, we walk together with that expectation. Um, you know, one thing too, that I'd love just before we finish this up is to think about the positives and the negatives. So as we have said many times, COVID has changed a lot. Yes, it has. Um, my question that I'd love to wrestle through is what are the positive things that this has mm-hmm. done for the church? And on the flip side of that, what are the negatives? What are the things that we hope will not continue yeah. after COVID is done? Absolutely. Well, the biggest one for me right now is the yearning and the longing to gather. I see that as so just tremendously oh, healthy that we as the body are are frustrated and upset and and long to be together. Mm-hmm. I see that as so incredibly just a, a positive uh, within the life of the church. Um, I, I hope that never goes away. I hope that even when we do have the ability to gather together uh, for our context at 10 a.m. on Sunday morning, yeah. I hope that at 2 o'clock by Sunday afternoon, I'm longing and yearning to gather together with my brothers and sisters in the local body known as Sonic Bible Church in the same way that I am currently. And in go to communion and baptism. I, I desire, and I hope this continues, to partake of the Lord's Supper together as the body. I desire to, to celebrate baptism. I desire to mm-hmm. sing together again uh, with the local body. I hope moving forward that when we are able to once again gather together as the body, that this yearning that, that I feel, and I think that we feel as, as a collective whole, um, doesn't dissipate. Yeah. That, that it remains here even when we're able to meet. That we remember this time when we couldn't. And Absolutely. I would, I, I, I'm not like a overly, you know, hyper emotional kind of guy. Like I yeah. don't cry very much. Are you really missing hugs yeah. right now, Justin? <laughs> But I tell you what, when we come together and we, uh, the room fills with voices singing mm-hmm. or that sound of chairs moving and people moving around when we get up to go to the tables. Um, I, I miss like the kid crying during. Yeah, sermon. I might get emotional on that. <laughs> I miss those aspects of the not perfect yep. services. Yeah, I can't wait. I cannot wait. And I think you're right. I hope that longing continues. Mm-hmm. Um, I hope that longing continues. And and you know, on the flip side of this, there are some things that I hope do not continue. And um, hold on, I've got one more positive. Oh, you got a positive? Yeah, All right, go for it. Uh, <clears throat> so just thinking through. The, the ease right now, 
of people accessing, I'll call it the church, of people uh -huh. accessing what we do is greater right now than it ever has been. Uh, so I've talked to a number of churches the past couple of weeks. Attendance has spiked Yeah. Uh, for most churches. Yeah. So you, you used to have 150 people showing up on a Sunday morning to where now it's 200 plus. Yeah. The amount of people that are joining in hmm. with what we are doing and what not just we are doing, but what the, the church as a whole is doing is incredible. Yeah. For us specifically at Stone Oak Bible, the amount of people we have right now that are hopping into community is incredible. One of the yeah. positives that I want to see moving forward is just this desire for community um, that we're willing to, to make the sacrifice. Right now, it's super easy for me yeah. <laughs> on community groups. So my community group, we meet uh, Sundays right after the sermon is complete. We all hop together on Zoom. I don't have to worry about child care. My kids, I can say, hey, head to your room. Um, they can hop in with us whenever they want to, and it's perfectly fine. It's really easy. Um, I'm not having to, to get them dressed for church like we, we used to have to, to do. Um, so it's a, a lot easier. Yeah. I, I hope moving forward that that same ease uh, of people joining in and, and being a part continues. Yeah, I would agree with that. And it's, it's almost like the, the, the bar is lower to step into community yeah. a little bit, which is, which is good that, that I, my hope is that the gospel message has gone out more Absolutely. than ever in this time. Um, because of that, that people who wouldn't normally come to a service, especially one in a middle school yeah, would say is intimidating. Yeah, it really is. Would log in. Whereas now you can be a fly on the wall. You can, you can hop into, yeah. and I've done this with all the other churches that are out there. I've been a fly on so <laughs> many churches' walls right now. Um, so I know that there are others that have done the same thing. And, and praise God that there are churches that are, are faithfully proclaiming the gospel uh, to individuals who never would step foot in a church, yet would click a link and, and participate in an online gathering of the church. So there's a dark side to that. Absolutely, there is. Um, one of the things that, that I don't want to see continue is the dark side of that, where, yeah. um, you know, as we look at across the, the, our community and, um, you know, the ability to go to church, but yet not go to, mm -hmm. Um, be a part of a church, but not be known or know anyone, the ability to be the, the ongoing forever fly on the wall. Yeah. I hope that that doesn't continue yeah. um, as we move forward. Cause what I think that it does is we're potentially creating a mindset of consumerism. Absolutely. So we've already, as an American church, we struggle a bit with consumerism anyway. Mm -hmm. Um, this could, I mean, just, just kind of amplify that a little Absolutely. bit to where now our, you know, it's possible for you to go to six different churches on a weekend yeah. and kind of cherry pick what you like and don't like and kind of build your own church experience yeah. kind of thing. I feel like you're speaking directly to me. <laughs> that is not, I mean, it's, it's great to do on a weekend. Um, yeah. but if you define your church that way and that's your church, mm -hmm. um, I see that as being incredibly detrimental to yeah. the, what the church is, who the church is kind of long term. Yeah. Um, I listened to a webinar this past week that had a number of, of churches represented, um, churches as small as 50 up to a church of over 5,000. Um, they all are experiencing similar things to where their online gatherings, as I said, have um, attendance-wise exploded in the amount of people. One of the things that they're realizing, though, is that they're not all their people. And what I mean by their people is not even people within their local context. Yeah. So take us, for example. Um, I know that we have people visiting us online from Arlington, um, from Dallas, yeah. from suburbs of Dallas, from yeah. Indiana, yeah. Um, from Missouri. So we have a bunch of different areas that are attending with us online. 
And so the, the host of this webinar simply asked the question, um, do you count these people as belonging to your church? And what is your next step for them? And across the board, it was, no, they, they are not a part of our church. And our next step is to get them to be a part of a local church. Hmm. Um, it, it was something that we wrestled through, Justin, whenever we purchased a video camera. Yeah. Whenever we started to record our sermons, not just with audio, but with video as well. Um, does it create a consumer mindset that I can partake of the church by simply hitting the, the play button right. on a video? And I would say no. Absolutely. Absolutely not. It's like living on supplements alone. Yeah. And I think that's the fear yeah. is that within the midst of this, I think one of the things that will come out of this within the change of the church is uh, the digital formats yeah. of of how groups meet and how sermons are communicated yeah. and how songs are communicated. I think that will change. Uh, my hope though, is that the local church will still be, um, the bread and butter. It will still be yeah. where people desire to gather together. Um, and it won't be that I desire to get worship from church a, and then I want to hear the preaching from church B right. and I want to have community with church C. Yeah, uh, but that there is a local church. Now, with that, I think one of the other things is it's positive to have your local church and still be listening to other other voices and other and, yeah. voices. Absolutely, I think that's a, a tremendous thing uh, to do. That. So I'm not saying don't listen to other people. I mean, we push right now media. We give it absolutely. away. We we want people to hear and to grow and to, so yeah, absolutely. But there there's a difference in partaking and this goes all the way back to what we we're talking about at the beginning of partaking of an online service compared to meeting together as the local gathered body of the church it's like the difference between having a meal and taking vitamins for me uh that's you can't just not eat meals anymore <laughs> and live yeah. on vitamins alone it's it's not good you know one of the things that i want to see end and this is a no-brainer um, COVID-19 is, you know, the, the, it's been social distancing. I want to see social yeah. distancing end, Me too. um, for, for anyone who loves the fact that they can be socially distant from their church. Yeah. I want to see that end yeah. <laughs> to where we're able to come together again. Um, I'll, I'll maybe say something a little controversial here. I, I don't want to see online only churches go forward. Um, mm -hmm. and what I, what I mean when I say this is, is to kind of create an online only kind of going back to what we were saying. I don't want to see that become our new norm. It, it what, what we have used as a, maybe a tool right now in COVID, yeah. I don't want to become the norm later. I, yeah. I want to see, and you know, I think it's important that we kind of call those things out a little bit mm -hmm. and, not and again, it goes back to who we are. I don't want us as the church to, in our attempt of mission, to share the gospel with as many people as possible. Yeah. I don't want us to forget or change or neglect who we are yeah. in that process. And um, I think we we have an opportunity ahead of us, yeah. and also a a challenge ahead of us mm -hmm. not to lose not to lose ourselves. Yeah. One of the things that I love about our church is our size. We are a smaller church mm -hmm. where um, it's, it's difficult to attend our church and not be known. Yeah. I used to be able to say that. Right now, in the midst of COVID, you can be a fly on the wall and we never know. Even with a lot of our regulars, if you don't publicly say in the chat, hey, the Curtis family is here. Yeah. I have no idea whether you're here or not. Yep. Um, so I, I long for the day that we can be a part of the church, um, even without saying, hey, my family is here, uh, but we can see each other again. Yeah. Um, and in the, the current season, we're unable to do that. Yeah. And I want to see that season end. <laughs> yeah. You know, I think this is a good place for us to kind of land the plane here. Um, just with this 
this, uh, I hope that mm-hmm. anyone who's listened or, or is listening to this, here's the heart that we mourn that we aren't together. We long for that. I cannot wait for the day that we get to come together Absolutely. again. I think that mourning is good. I, yeah. We are in a season of lament. Yeah. And every one of us wants, want it to stop, right? Yes. (laughs) But these seasons of lament and mourning, I think can be redeemed. Mm -hmm. That's my prayer for us as a church. Um, us as not just as Stone Oak Bible church, but as the church globally, um, through this. So, yeah, well, I want to thank everyone for listening to this and, um, until that time that we can gather again, I want to finish with this reminder that of the things that, that don't need to stop during COVID, which means for us as the church to be focused on mission. Yeah. How can we share and proclaim the gospel through this time? Um, and as well as care, how can we care for each other? Well, so I want to encourage you with that, that as we kind of close this conversation down, focus on mission and focus on care. And thank you again for, uh, for taking the time to listen.